the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Hi, listeners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. We're happy you are with us today. Yes, and we're recording this ahead of time because of your new course that you're teaching through the Theology of the Body Institute. Yeah. It is called The Theology of the Body and the Marian Mystery. Do I have that right? You got it, girl. But it's affectionately known as The Mary Course. The Mary Course. <laughs> I have not never taught this. I've been working on the study guide for it for the last year and a half. Yeah. And it really is the culmination of 25 years of prayer and study about mm -hmm. Mary. When I first read Louis de Montfort in 1994, mm -hmm. I'd say it's the culmination of what began back then. And it's it's really exciting. Oh, that's awesome. I'm thrilled. I, I want to share just one quote here from the study guide. This is from Ratzinger, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who became Benedict XVI. He says this, Indeed, the whole Christian drama hangs on just this thread. What thread is he talking about? He's talking about Mary's yes to the angel. Mm. For without Mary, the very thing that matters most in the creed would be left unrealized. There would be no incarnation. Mm. I, I like to say, no Mary, N-O, no Jesus, but no Mary, K-N-O-W, mm -hmm. and you'll know Jesus. Ratzinger goes on to say, the very thing that matters most in the creed would be left unrealized. God's being a God with us, and not only a God in and for himself. So this is Christianity, that God's not just up there in the heavens, some far distant being, some abstraction. God has entered his creation through the womb of a woman. This is astounding. He goes on to say, thus the woman Mary, remember Jesus calls her woman, that's, that's so significant because it's a reference back to Genesis. The woman stands at the core of the profession of faith in the living God, and it is impossible to imagine Christianity without her. She is an indispensable central component of our faith in the living, acting God. Why? Because the Word becomes flesh in her womb. What does this mean? It means the eternal meaning, capital M, grounding the entire universe, enters into her. This is why woman is so revered and why woman is so maligned. There is this push-pull that every human being, male and female, has with the mystery of woman. We are drawn to her, we're drawn to her beauty, we're drawn to the mystery of the womb, this is our home. This is where we all originate. The very word nostalgia means a longing for home. And we have this longing for that safe, warm womb where we all originate. But the enemy hates woman, and he wants us to hate what is feminine as well, because God comes to us through her. This is the, the womb of woman is literally the meeting place of heaven and earth. This is where the incarnation happens. This is where logos, the eternal logic, the eternal meaning behind everything, takes flesh. And entering into this course, entering into the content of this course over the last year and a half in a concentrated way, has been a deep renewal of my faith and deepening of 
what we mean by theology of the body. Uh, so often we have spiritual things and physical things in opposition. But one of the standout lines for me that I put in my study guide is from Hans Urs von Balthasar, a famous theologian of the 20th century, and he says, a spirit is not in opposition to flesh. Spirit is the very cause of the incarnation. Right? We tend to think of spiritual things as opposed to physical things. This is not our faith. The mystery of Christmas, the mystery of pregnant Mary, is the mystery of spirit causing the eternal to enter the physical. And the doorway, the portal, is woman's body. Blessed is the womb that bore him. Blessed are the breasts from which he nursed. As that woman cried out, in that scene in the gospel. And John Paul II says, unwittingly, this woman was the first fulfillment of Mary's prophecy that all generations will call me blessed. She was the first to say it. Blessed is the womb that bore him. Yes. Blessed are the breasts from which he nursed. Our bodies participate in this mystery. It's utterly astounding. Mm. Your body, Wendy, your body, Wendy, participates in this mystery. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me, woman, woman's body is the encounter with God. That's where it happens. Hmm. I can tell you're really excited about this. That's really beautiful to see. Like the Lord has just blessed you. Mary has been loving you as she only she can, and I'm grateful. Thanks, love. Bless all the students. And it is being filmed, oh. so eventually this will be online as well. We have a full house, but full house under COVID conditions for the mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. So, All right. Is there anything else going on with the yes. Institute? We've been sharing this for a few weeks now, but just a friendly reminder, we have the Congress coming up. It's going to be online because of COVID, uh, but you can participate in all the great keynotes we're going to have. Scott Hahn will be there. George Weigel will be there. Jenna Smith will be there. I will be there. Bill Dunahy, Sister Miriam, a host of other great presenters. Uh, please check out the full list. You can learn more at tobcongress.com. We'll have that link in the show notes. It's from October 30th to November 1st. And then we follow that up November 2nd to November 13th. We are teaching online. We'll have our TOB1 uh, course. So, yeah, look at the show notes for both of those things. And also we have a live streaming coming up of one of our Made for More events. Mm -hmm. You can see the link for that in the show notes as well. Uh, Mike Mangione does the music, uh, interwoven with my presentations and lots of great art and movie clips. It's a evening of reflection on the true, the good, and the beautiful. It's a way of awakening our hearts. It's a way of evangelizing people to this message. So if you want to invite people to watch that live stream, that'd be a great evangelistic opportunity as well. There's a link in the show notes for that as well. And it's on October 16th from 7 to 930 Eastern time. Eastern time of the USA, yeah. Okay, very good. We recently had a conversation around our dinner table with our kids about uh, women in the workplace. Yes, we did. And we actually have a question about that. Why is gender diversity in the workforce important from a TOB perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. Or we could say, does Theology of the Body even talk about women in the workplace or their role? Not directly in the catechesis called Theology of the Body. Mm -hmm. 
but John Paul II does speak of it in his letter to women. Yes. And in his document, Mulieris Dignitatum, on the dignity and vocation of women. Yeah. And he says that the workplace needs the genius of woman. And that's that's the key right there. Mm-hmm. He he is critical, and rightly so, of a form of feminism that masculinizes women. Because when we masculinize women, we lose their distinctive giftedness. And I, I can't think of any environment on planet Earth that would not benefit from the giftedness of women. That's not to say that there aren't times where men need to go off to the cabin with a bunch of guys and be men, right? That's, that's all fine and good. Anybody can see that that's fine and good, I would hope. But John Paul II, this is one of my favorite lines, and I think it's one of your favorite lines too. And I've learned so much from you, Wendy, about how this works out and how valuable it is. But here's the line from JP2. This is from The Theology of the Body. Life is co-ed. If I can put it abbreviatedly, he says, life is co-educational, right? Mm. It's balance and it's dignity depend at every moment of history and at every point on the globe on who woman will be for man and who man will be for woman. Life itself is co-ed, co-educational. We need one another. Whenever you have an imbalance of either feminizing men or masculinizing women, we lose the distinctive complementarity that makes life rich in its co-educationality, if that's a word. Is that a word, co-educationality? It is, it is now. now. Yeah, there Wendy, you go. shine some light. Best new word I know of you... 2020. <laughs> that and de-densify. That's my other favorite new word of Did you 2020. No, no, I, I read it now because we, we need to de-densify places to limit oh, oh, the spread right. of got COVID. It, it. So we, we'll add we'll add co-educationality to the new words of 2020. Uh, yeah, this topic really is dear to my heart, and it's it's a it's a confusing one because. Um, there, there have been there are suspicions in um, in men toward women and in women toward men. There are there are hurts and distrusts yes. there that have affected our ability to work together and yes. continue to. We are fallen. It's not it's not going to work perfectly. Right. Um, and there have been times when um, people have kind of concluded, well. Uh, women are a distraction, and we need to eliminate them so boys and men can flourish. And I'm not trying to say whether there aren't environments where that is true and valuable, but in many places, the what you talked about, the genius of women, um, you know, we can get a little bit more into the the feminine gifts that have been lacking in many work environments throughout history and have impacted many people negatively. You know, in places where no women are there, say for example that uh, guy is going away together for some guy time, it's at its best when those men have healthy relationships yes. with women yes, to so. draw on in their masculinity. It, where those men are going away out of kind of a rejection of women or lacking in, um, you know, real reverence for women, then that time away isn't necessarily going to be fruitful. But where those are guys getting together who have that honor for women and know the gift in their life, it's a a gift to be guys together. And it's a gift 
for women to be women together when also they have been um, loved by men or known how to love men. That's that's when it's at its best, you know. So I say that, you know, that not every environment has to have both men and women in order for the graces of masculinity and femininity to be femininity to be present. Um, but some of the gifts that women bring to workplaces are some of that kind of humanizing where there can be a masculine tendency to kind of value, say, productivity, efficiency, um, just maximum work accomplishment and not value fully the humanity of right. those who are working. And women in lawmaking, women in medicine, women in police departments, women in all kinds of situations can help to bring that awareness of the value of simply that all the people working are human beings with a whole story of their lives. Not that that can be dwelt on throughout an entire workday, but to have an honoring of the humanity of the all those who are engaged in work together is a huge gift and it enables people to shine as their best selves when they know that they're valued as human beings. For men and women to honor one another here, you were speaking of how we don't do this perfectly. No. We often do it quite poorly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> people, that's right. This idealized image I'm giving is not <laughs> maybe what typically happens. We, we do it poorly because I think often men in particular, not that women don't have their share in the dysfunction, obviously, but men in particular can feel threatened by difference. Mm -hmm. And when a man feels threatened by difference, he, you know, it's fight or flight. Uh, I will seek to remove this threat either by fleeing mm -hmm. uh, or by dominating and controlling it. And women who have been under that kind of domination understandably don't want to be treated that way, but then they often take on a fallen masculine model of how to get out of that. And this is what John Paul is critical of, where women become masculinized. I'm thinking of how could a female police officer really bring the feminine genius to bear in a police department where where the temptation of many of the men on the police force is going to be, and not just a police force, but any kind of, I'm just picking this as an example. The temptation would be to squash that feminine gift because they're threatened by the difference of it. We've had to work this out in our own sure. marriage and still have to work this out in our own marriage. I remember years ago thinking to myself, frustrated with your difference, <laughs> is thinking, if you just thought more like a man, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> and then I started to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, that that's, there's something I'm missing here. It's... I'm trying to eliminate your difference because it's, it's a challenge to me. It's funny and yet it's real. We can relate to it, all yeah, of us. And, and, and that, you know, apply that in the workplace and you can see the dysfunction that happens and we can kind of throw up our hands and go to extremes where either you eliminate the difference of men and women, you masculinize women and you feminize men, or the other extreme where you just like, well, forget it, men should just go work off by themselves and women should be at home barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. And uh, you, you, we have to honor the difference without exaggerating the difference and without eliminating the difference. And that's, that's, that's 
We need grace for that. I recently had an interesting conversation when I came to your TOB2 course this past summer with a student who had been a, a woman who had been a police officer for many years um, and was talking with her was part of what kind of contributed to my even saying mm. in the police force, we need women, because she um, had always wanted to be a police officer and it was a, a gift to her to be able to do that. Um, and one of her reflections, she's a student of theology of the body, about men and women working together in the police force is that there is a, a balance that comes from a, a female police officer in terms of not maybe allowing encounters to escalate as mm. quickly. There's a certain instinct to fight and be on guard in the man that she, not that she didn't value that, but there's a, a woman maybe has the ability to see when there's another approach that can be taken that kind of minimizes the conflict level. And, you know, it just takes a more human appeal yes, to yes. the people that you're encountering that is a great balance. She really appreciated that in her work as a police officer. And that, that gave me an appreciation of it as well, just talking with her. This is related to another question I think we got actually, because mm -hmm. when we when we fail to honor the real differences of men and women, the, the symptoms of a culture that fails to honor the real differences is gender confusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, as we've been saying, the masculinization of women or the feminization of men. Yeah. I, I want to add this note, too, that at the risk of getting a little complex here in the conversation, in, in God's plan, there is meant to be, and the great spiritual writers speak of this in various ways with various terminology, but there's meant to be a marriage within each of us of that which is masculine and that which is feminine. And we can see this even in the body. Why, why do men have nipples, for crying out loud? <laughs> we all start out, right, that X chromosome is the fundamental, right? Mm -hmm. uh, women are XX, and then the male gets that funky Y thrown in there. And the fetus, in the actual development of the fetus, what would be ovaries, if there's a Y chromosome, become testicles. What would be the labia close in and become the scrotum? What would be the clitoris gets extended and becomes the penis, if there's that Y chromosome in the mix. So you can see there is, with, without falling into this a system of fluidity, uh, which fails to recognize the difference, there is a connection between male and female that also needs to be spoken into. Mm -hmm. And there's meant to be in me, this is not a threat to my masculine identity, there's meant to be in me a recognition of, of a marriage that is meant to take place in my heart between what you could call feminine and masculine principles. And if they get properly integrated within me, they will manifest themselves in a balanced masculinity in me. If they get properly integrated in you, they will manifest themselves in a balanced, integrated femininity in mm -hmm. you. Um, a masculinity that is not properly integrated in that sense is just going to be uh, machismo, right? Uh, an mm -hmm. exaggerated masculinity uh, that lacks a tenderness. Uh, a, a woman who is not integrated in this sense that we're talking, will, will her special gift of receptivity will become a kind of passivity. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there, there is a need for integration. When that integration fails, when it breaks down, 
when men and women don't know what it means to be men and women, and we don't know how to relate to one another as men and women, and we don't have models to look to because the family is breaking down. Uh, what happens is what we have now, rampant confusion about the very meaning of being male and female. And you have men who want to be women, women who want to be men to the point that they will castrate themselves, uh, surgically manipulate themselves, flood themselves with foreign hormones to, to create the appearance of being the opposite sex. So I know we have a question yeah, re related to this, one? so let's, let's dive yeah, into Yeah, our listener Anne uh, submitted this question. She said, TLC has launched a new show called My Pregnant Husband. I've only seen the trailer for the show. I will not be watching it. It's heart-wrenching. I don't even know how to process this. What are your thoughts? Can you please help me process this? I'm just absolutely at a loss, sickened, saddened, heartbroken, even angry. We watched the trailer because you had shared that we had this question. Yes. So we watched it together so we could speak to it. And uh, does this questioner give her name? Anne. 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 I relate to everything you said. I feel everything that you mentioned. Uh, how do we process this? We have to, on the one hand, recognize what is true, what is false. We have to recognize the dysfunction of our culture today. And we have to arrive, we have to allow whatever emotions we might be experiencing, we have to land with compassion a willingness to suffer with. Watching this trailer was disturbing. Mm -hmm. If you have a sense of God's order for creating us male and female, mm -hmm. watching this trailer is simply disturbing. And they are trying to normalize what is not normal. Yeah, They're trying dis with, with intent to, to whittle down the culture's resistance to a natural repugnance we have mm -hmm. to the very notion that a man can be pregnant. That, that is, that is, it is, it is just impossible for a man to be pregnant. It is impossible. These pregnant quote husbands are women. Are women, yes. And they use those, uh, you know, cultural terms. I was uh, assigned, assigned female at birth, at birth as right. if that somehow doesn't, isn't a reality or something, and yet they have wombs that yes. are, you know, filled with life. They're women, but they are, you know, in their whatever is going on with them psychologically and in their whole story, they want to be seen as men and kind of convincingly appear to be um, men. And so just the confusion that that causes and i agree with what you were saying just the feel of the show is kind of it's it has a little component of that kind of all kinds of shows that are trying to get a, getting us inside the lives of someone that's kind of a curiosity so it has that component but it also has this definite objective to like just really let go of all your yeah. you know caution about this and rigid categories yes and, right yes. it's trying just to paint this as kind of um a, a beautiful thing and i don't want to take away the fact that a new life coming into the world a woman pregnant which these are women who are pregnant is beautiful 
Um, so I don't want to take that away, but they're kind of using that a, to yes. try to influence the whole culture in a way that is not, that is not beautiful. Compassion, if we look at that word, to suffer with these human beings, these men, these women, uh, and I, I say men and women because what we were showed in the trailer was these relationships. I can't, I, I'm assuming, is that, it's so confusing. I don't even know how to, yeah. to put words to it, which, which demonstrates when you can't name something, it's, it's something's off. Mm. Um, but anyway, regardless, these people are suffering. These people are in great agony and we do not help them when we set up a system that that writes their psychological and emotional and spiritual wounds that writes them with scars right into their bodies they showed the this woman who had had her breasts removed and you can see the scars mm. and like those physical scars are a sign of the deep emotional psychological spiritual wound of the person are we willing with Christ to bear that suffering? Mm. Christ has already borne that suffering. And let's let's go the whole way here and say Mary at the foot of the cross bore that suffering. What is in need of redemption is precisely masculinity and femininity. It was male and female who were created in the image and likeness of God. It was male and female who fell. Right? John Paul II says the original sin was the sin of the couple. It wasn't just the sin of Adam. It wasn't just the sin of Eve. It wasn't just the sin of the male or the female. It was the sin of the couple. And what suffered the, the blow of original sin was precisely the male-female difference. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. What did we hide? We hid the difference. We hid the difference of male and female. We didn't cover our earlobes. We both have earlobes, <laughs> right? We didn't cover our elbows. We both have elbows. We covered those parts of the body that distinguish male and female. Christ comes in as a male, born of a female, born of a woman. It is always the male and the female together to redeem masculinity and femininity. The redemption, the first miracle took place at a wedding. And at the cross where the sacrifice is offered, it is the bridegroom giving up his body for the bride. Mary at the foot of the cross is the woman. She represents all of humanity as bride, right? This goes way back into the early thinking of the fathers of the church, that Mary is the representative of the church at the foot of the cross, and inasmuch as she is, she symbolizes the bride who becomes the mother of the living. It is the redemption of male and female, and that famous icon of Christ's resurrection, the icon of the resurrection from the East. And yeah. if you just Google uh, Eastern icon of the resurrection, put that into Google, you'll see Jesus coming out of the grave, pulling Adam and Eve yes, out of the their hand. graves by the hands. Yeah, He's came to redeem man and woman, mm. male and female. This is what is in need of redemption. And, and this means he has born in his body and Mary with him at the foot of the cross, right? Christ is the Savior, but Mary is the saved, right? Christ is the Redeemer, but Mary is the redeemed. 
the bridegroom and the bride, the new Adam and the new Eve. We have to hold them together to understand who we really are and what redemption really is. And my point in all of this is the suffering of these men and women who are so deeply confused, men who want to be women, women who want to be men, uh, they're failing to, to live that integration interiorly so they think what they need is an exterior change. Mm-hmm. Christ and Mary at the foot of the cross, they have already borne this suffering in their hearts, in their very bodies, and the redemption has already been won. Uh, I, I've taken it upon myself just as a little spiritual exercise recently. Instead of getting discouraged by the new horrors that just seem to be unveiled every day, the struggles mm-hmm. of the culture, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. This is a sign of what Christ has already redeemed. Instead of being, oh, it's getting worse, how about being, oh, this is what Jesus bore on the cross. Mm. Oh, this is what he came to save us from, and he's already borne it. He's already redeemed it. This is how deep the redemption goes. Mm. Am I willing to suffer with? Yes, let's be very clear. Uh, a, a, a so-called compassion or mercy that would condone the disorder of, of this kind of living is, is not true compassion. It's not true mercy. True compassion is to, to suffer with, to enter into that person's struggle, opening it to the grace of redemption with that person who may not be able to do that. It's an intercessory posture mm-hmm. where we are willing to intercede with and for other people who, who may have no concept that this is what Christ bore on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are just some. Yeah, and I would just, with that, just encourage Anne, who was so troubled by that trailer, to dedicate a holy hour just to that trailer. Just take your memory of it, go before the Blessed Sacrament, And just lift up the people that you saw in your own heart to the Lord on the cross. It's so beautiful when you point out to us that in the wounds on his body, we find all the wounds of humanity. And so to recognize that this trailer is showing us wounded humanity and this crucifix is showing us our God bearing our wounds. And so just to spend that hour in front of the blessed sacrament to look at this the treasure the gift of christ's body and what it means for redemption and just to transfer to him yes from your heart the heaviness of what you've seen give it over to him and he will receive it that's what he's on the cross to do and so that we can just surrender and that's the call of intercession doesn't have to become your whole life he may want just that hour of you turning it over to him and work grace through that in your life and in other people's That's lives. beautiful, Wendy. I'll share one more thought for Anne. Uh, Anne, you may be aware, you may not, that I redid my Good News About Sex and Marriage book just a year and a half ago with a new edition and a brand new chapter addressing these identity confusion issues. So mm-hmm. The, the Q&A book went up from 115 questions to 150 questions with that brand new chapter. So we'll have a link in the show notes. You might want to give that a read. I think you'll find it very helpful. Yes. Good news about sex and marriage. Yeah. Last question. Do you have any advice for new parents on raising strong Catholic men in these times? Nope. You don't. <laughs> 
Whenever there are parenting questions, I feel cautious. I think, oh, would our children approve of us talking about parenting? (laughs) They are the experts on our parenting. That's right. Talk to our kids about their experience of being raised by us. I do hesitate. And I admire people who speak regularly on parenting. I think it takes a special courage. Um, Nonetheless, here we are. We're going to talk talk about it. Yeah. if, If you did ask our children about our parenting, I think they would they would be honest about our failures and honest about things that we did that blessed them. And we were certainly seeking to bless our children. I, I think I may have overdone it with some of my, my kids in overcompensating for what I didn't have. I had uh, so many holes in my own adult life from lack of being fathered and, um, I say that with great love for my father. My father gave me what he had to give me. Uh, I've given my children what I've had to give them. We can't give what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And when I look at what my father went through, the lack of fathering that my father had, he was a f- freaking hero mm. uh, in terms of what he was able to offer, what he, mm-hmm. what he overcame to father five children on the second of five is absolutely astounding. And I, I think if we're improving from generation to generation just a little bit, we're, mm-hmm. we're on the right track. And and I, I think I can confidently say we've improved a little bit from the last generation, from what we've <laughs> learned. Uh, but this question specifically, raising boys into strong men, here's some things I've done. Stories are very important for a young boy's heart. Mm-hmm. Stories of adventure stories of heroism. I, I always wanted to expose my boys to these kind of stories of adventure and heroism. I would make up stories. I'd pull them out of my, <laughs> pull them out of my butt <laughs> when I'd be putting them to bed, and they became these elaborate tales of mm-hmm. adventure and heroism and growing in virtue and, and struggle. And plenty of goofy humor. And plenty in. of goofy humor, right. <laughs> And then superheroes. I wanted to expose my boys to superheroes, and I loved that they loved superpowers. And uh, one of our sons had a penchant for weapons at an early age, and I, with with discretion and with uh, training, I wanted to foster that. So he had this this sword and knife collection, and and I remember a line from John Eldridge that has stayed with me. John Eldridge is a Protestant writer. Uh, he's wrote, written some great books for men. I've benefited from them. He says, the way you make a sharp knife safe in a man's hands is not to dull it, but to teach him how to use it rightly. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But that was always my approach with, with my sons. Uh, we had another son who was had more of an intellectual learning, so I wanted to foster his reading, and we both did together, mm-hmm. foster his love of stories and their imagination. And then we don't just I didn't want to just have them have the stories about adventure and danger and mm. and um, growing in virtue. I wanted to put circumstances in their lives where they could encounter that and experience that. Mm-hmm. So backpacking trips and uh, cliff jumping into creeks and getting them out in nature, getting them out in creation, I think is, is critical. Yeah, it really does build self-confidence. You're, you're constantly encountering, you know, just all kinds of obstacles in your environment that you have to challenge yourself to conquer just by going on yes. a hike in nature. Yes. And so those 
physical, like children do learn through physical activities and it's their brain is developing through those things. So I think the value we've placed on that yeah, you know, and, has and been good. Back to the, you can only give what you have. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a great sports family in mm -hmm. terms of football or baseball right. or soccer, but I did grow up in a family that loved to ski and have outdoor adventures, water skiing, snow skiing. Mm -hmm. um, so I passed those things on to my sons and my daughters and, and with great joy in doing that and investing the time and energy in doing that because I thought, I mean, even as I say it, I'm kind of getting choked up, like how important that was to me that my dad did that for me. Mm -hmm. um, it is a royal pain in the arse to get five kids on a ski slope. <laughs> or on a camping trip. <laughs> or on a camping trip. <laughs> but, but it is worth it. It is totally worth it. So you don't, if you're not a outdoorsman or, or, you know, do pass on what you can pass on. You have gifts to pass on. Uh, that's, that's what I would say. Um, and I would, I would say create an environment where the imagination can flourish. Uh, movies, great movies, great stories, great books, but then create also the experience of where the imagination has been fired up, then then follow through with some real life experiences, whether those are camping trips or skiing trips or football or baseball, whatever it is that you have to create that environment of challenge, of friction, of of tension, where you, you have to press through difficult circumstances to come out the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it, you know, I've been not saying as much as a mom, but I think mothers do have an important role Absolutely. in strong men. Absolutely. And there's a certain aspect of, for me, sometimes the, the danger factor of certain activities can be a little overwhelming to me. And I, I may, I don't know whether I have a higher tolerance or a lower tolerance than other women. I just know my own self. Um, so sometimes I have to express that privately to their father so he's aware because <laughs> we're been made aware on many occasions. we're both the parents of these yes, children that is correct and then i have to trust him that he's taking that into consideration as he's overseeing their adventures and sometimes i need to not be present for all of them because i i don't want to let my anxious vibe cause them to not be free to meet the challenges that they're meant to meet. And I need to rejoice with them about their victories. But I also, it's good for boys to have a mom who will, you know, affirm their their hearts and their, their tenderness and be present when they're suffering. That's yes, not yes. harmful no. to a boy growing into a strong man because what we've been talking about earlier, that integration or yes. even... Um, when you talked about in our last episode about a man sharing his heart, yeah. entrusting his heart to his yeah. wife, you know, boys who've not been able to trust their hearts to their moms yes. maybe won't be able to do yeah. that as well. So I see my femininity as also a gift to boys growing into strong men because Amen. I'm helping them to learn about the differences of men and women and also to know that it's they don't have to fit some kind of masculine ideal to right. be loved, you right. know, that they're they're on a journey of life like every human being, and we're here to be with them. Uh, you know, a quick sign of love for a scraped knee doesn't make a wimpy boy. No. It just kind of plants the seed that it's okay to reveal my suffering. It'll be met with compassion. And 
I'm still going to be strong on the other side. That knee's going to heal. That whatever injury, it's going to heal. But it's okay to reveal the pain at the time when it hurts. I remember one of our sons when he was seven years old said, Mom's hugs are soft and round. <laughs> and your hugs are firm and kind of square. <laughs> and I need both. Mm. And all our hearts need both. There's there's such profound uh, wisdom and deep understanding of the universe in that comment, which relates to so much of what we've been talking about on this episode. And when we don't have both, we get cocked in a in a skewed direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the good news is, regardless of where our parents may have left holes on our tracks, you know, if, if you think of life as you need the masculine and the feminine to, as two tracks for your train to ride on. And, and we look to our mom and dad to, to give us the models of what that is. And to the extent that our own parents were wounded, there are chunks of the track missing. And it shouldn't surprise us at all that our trains are getting derailed on these gender questions when we have large chunks of the track mm -hmm. missing. Uh, but the good news is there's a perfect man. His name's Jesus Christ. There's a perfect woman. She's the blessed mother. And she's our blessed mother. And we have these tracks in redemption, the masculine and the feminine, that can get the train back on track. It's not easy, it's a struggle, but it's real. The power of redemption is real. And the power of redemption is precisely the redemption of our humanity as male and female. And it's good news. Mm -hmm. And it's such a, a gift to be able to share this good news with you. Thank you for being in it with us. We're, we're, we're grateful to be on this journey with you. Please share this episode with others. Hit that share button and keep the questions coming. We're very grateful. Remember always, as we, we love to say, it's the truth. You are a gift. You are made in the image and likeness of God. You are a gift. Mm, become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Mm -hmm.